0: Welcome to the Kravitsky and Kane podcast. I'm Bobby Kravitsky. You can find me on Twitter at Bobby underscore K91. That other voice coming through your speakers is that of none other than Jeff Kane. You can find him on Twitter at Jeff kane 78 Listen, this show is going to be basketball-centric. We're only a few days removed from Game 7 of the NBA Finals. We're on the heels of the NBA draft. And so, Jeff, let's start. There was a parade today in Cleveland. Let's start by talking about the man who made that possible, LeBron James. In your opinion,
1: what did the finals do for his legacy? Ugh, gross, gross. I freaking hate LeBron James. But, listen, what did it do for his legacy? Obviously, it's cemented him as one of the best basketball players of this generation. Not that he wasn't there already, because... He is a very good basketball player. I will never put him in the likes of MJ, Magic, Bird, or Kareem. Um, not even I won't even really put him in the likes of Kobe. Really, um, because honestly, if I grew up playing his brand of basketball, where I could take three or four steps, drop my shoulder into someone smaller than me, and take a shot and not get a foul called on me, I would have got a like a you know a scholarship to some community college or something. But I, I look at it and. Let's be honest, he absolutely played his best basketball in games 5, 6, and 7. He he willed the Cavaliers to the championship. And, uh, you know, congrats to LeBron. I hate to say it, but my hat's off. Well, first off, Jeff,
0: I have to believe that if you are allowed to travel, play against guys smaller than you, and ram your shoulder into them, you can do better than community college. That's first off.
1: Well, yeah, but I mean, I'm like six foot one and like two seventy, dude. That that you know, he's like what six eight, two seventy. So, and I can't run. I'm fat. Um, <laughs> but that's why I'm saying community college, man. I mean, if I could travel, uh, you know, and, and what is he called? The crab dribble, you know? Yeah. Shit, I could, I could really, you know, community college, man. It's all, it's all for me. I, I think we could bump you up to
0: low level college ball. Low level college ball. I like it. Jeff the it's great water cooler talk to discuss what someone's top five is and how they rank the greatest players of all time. It's all personal opinion, so I, I never want to state this as fact. This guy's definitively better than that guy outside of Michael Jordan, who to me is number one and there's, there's no arguments there. It's him and it's everyone else. But I do think that LeBron has created quite the compelling case for himself to be ranked second all-time, even ahead of Magic Johnson. And even if you don't feel that way, I think you have to acknowledge that he is, at the very least, encroaching on Magic's territory.
1: Uh, I can't say that, Bobby, because Magic and Bird and MJ changed the game. I don't believe that LeBron James has changed the game. You know, I mean, LeBron hasn't brought more fans out there uh, like Bird, Bird and Magic did. Um, LeBron hasn't absolutely, you know, dominated the league in, in every fashion the way that MJ did. I mean, you look at LeBron and, and some people earlier this, you know, earlier this season were saying Steph Curry was the better basketball player. And you had people saying when Kobe was playing and in his prime that he was the be- better basketball player. When MJ was playing, you knew he was the best man on, on the face of the earth. Um, you know, and, and up until this series, there were a lot of knocks on LeBron.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of the knocks on LeBron and these questions about his status and how some people would have reacted had Golden State won Game 7, I think a lot of it stemmed from a lack of appreciation for LeBron and the fact that so many people don't like him, but he honestly might be the most complete all-around player in the history of the game. Uh. You want to talk about impact on the sport, I think you also have to acknowledge the context of the time in which Magic and Bird played in the 80s when they desperately needed two figures to come and raise the game from what was one of its lowest periods. And so you just look at the context. LeBron wasn't facing a a point in time where the game needed much of a revolution. Really the biggest criticism was that guys don't play defense and it's a selfish league and all this. And here comes a guy who plays team ball, who locks in at the defensive end and guards the opposing team's best player, no matter what position he is. So LeBron James, to me, I can certainly understand why people don't like him. I think it's time to get over the way that he mishandled the decision, but his legacy to me is at a point now where I think he can do anything to hurt it from a basketball standpoint, and he's still got plenty of good years left in him. He's on the downside of his prime, but you still have to acknowledge that his game is at an extremely high level posting a triple-double in Game 7 and just putting Cleveland on his back along with Kyrie Irving to do the unprecedented, coming back from down 3-1. to So to me, if he hasn't already passed Magic Johnson, then he's certainly getting close to doing so. And with how many years he figures to have left and how many good years he figures to have left, I think that there is a realistic possibility he surpasses Magic Johnson by the time his career is over, I make a anymore. real argument, Jeff. I think that, again, people just don't, because they don't like him, they constantly want to knock his game and, and just take shots at anything they can when it comes to this guy. But I think he's going to give the people who feel like he's just as good as Michael Serious ammunition by the time he's retired
1: Well, here's, here's the big thing here And I kind of laughed when you said that he's You know, the team player Alright, he might pass the ball And get a triple-double in Game 7 But after the championship It isn't, we did this, we did that We did this, no, it's I, 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 I I I got three rings, I did this I, I, I did this I did this. He is a me-first guy He will always be a me-first guy And it won't be too long until you know he, he opts out of Cleveland, it might not be this year. He might want to come back and try to, um, you know, defend that title. But he's going to finish his career out in L.A. And Lala Lance, so we can continue to develop that brand and get himself into movies. Uh, like he was he was in a movie that I watched not too long ago. I think it was Trainwreck or something like that. The quality guy movie. It was a quality, quality movie. movie. Amy Schumer is funny as hell, but absolutely he, he is he is the ultimate eye guy. And 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 this is the one thing. That I can't stand about LeBron. He's such an actress. And yes, I said that. He's an actress. The guy is a certified vagina. That's all I gotta say. I mean, if a, a call doesn't go his way, he's looking at the ref, going, "Hey, hey, what happened? What happened? Oh, this needs to happen. My nail broke. Oh my God, I'm a father, and and Jermon Green called me a bitch. Well, you are a little bitch. That's all I gotta say. I mean, this guy is absolutely just ridiculous. And 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 nothing said that more to me than when he fell on his his, his shoulder, his arm, and he's sitting there and he's like, oh, I'm so hurt. That is a, a complete act job because he comes back out. You know, he should have gone to the, if he's really hurt, go to the bench and, and and let someone else take the free throws, but no, it's all dramatic. And you know what? You can sit there and say it's because I hate uh, LeBron James because I do, but this, I said the exact same thing about Boston sport hero, Paul Pierce, after game one against the L.A. Lakers back in 2008, when he you know, looked like he was going to die for the rest of his life, was carried off on a, on a wheelchair and then comes back out and plays. Both prima donnas, both just actresses beyond belief. And, and just to sit there and say that he's anywhere near what Magic Johnson was in this league as a player is absolutely ridiculous. And I, and I never, Bobby, I, I respect your basketball knowledge, your basketball knowledge is, is far superior to mine nowadays. It is absolutely there, but was able to watch Magic Johnson, Larry Bird play almost their entire careers. And Magic Johnson could play any of the five positions and play them well. He had the best court vision I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, He was just, unbelievable up and down the, the court Magic Johnson is a better player than LeBron James I'll give LeBron James above some other people but not Magic Johnson not not uh, Michael Jordan and I and you know I hate Michael Jordan but at least I respected Michael Jordan I just hate him but yeah yep, I'm,
0: gl- I'm glad that you've taken the conversation in this direction first off I'll address your most recent comment. LeBron can defend every position. LeBron can play every position. Just like Magic did it his rookie year in the finals. LeBron's done it time and time again in his career, playing the five at times he did it this finals. Playing the four at times he did it this finals. Playing the three, his primary position. Playing where he's essentially the point guard. He's done that most of his career when he when his team has the ball. LeBron James is a more complete player than Magic Johnson. Oh, no way. A far superior defender
1: and rebounder <laughs> to Magic. Oh, my and, God. Are you uh, I'm, kidding me? Wow. A better defensive player than Magic Johnson? I, far superior. No. Not
0: even in the same class.
1: Never watched I, Magic same, play live.
0: Same goes. Obviously, I didn't watch Magic Johnson play live, but I've seen Magic Johnson play quite a bit, Jeff. Believe me. There's this, plenty of access in today's day and age to go see Bird and Magic play. And listen, I know that people in New England want to make that an argument between Bird and LeBron. To me, there's not much of a contest. I think LeBron has him by a, a, a fairly noticeable gap. And as far as Magic goes, I think LeBron's better than him too. Like I just said, more all-around player who can do More on the basketball court, if you want to talk about a team leader and some of the intangibles, Magic Johnson has the edge over LeBron, but let's not kid ourselves when we're strictly talking about abilities on the hardwood here, and furthermore, Jeff, you talk about LeBron being incredibly selfish off the court, and that's what I'm happiest that you've Steered the conversation towards discussing Because listen is he Arrogant yes Is he narcissistic Incredibly but let's Just take a second to try And understand How this person was brought up from the time He was 13 everyone Around him hailed him as the king And treated him like he can walk On water it's hard not to Grow up that way and Become arrogant And narcissistic That takes a lot of willpower For a child to be raised that way And grow up not having those characteristics And listen, they're incredibly off-putting I don't like them about him either If you just listen to him speak From the parade today Then you can just It's a microcosm For why people don't like him And the fact that Off the court, like you said He is very Self-centered and he wants everyone to know that he's this and he's that, and, oh, he did this for you, Cleveland, and all this. But on the court, you can't take those factors and diminish what he's able to do and just appreciate that he is not only one of the all-time greats, but he's the type of player that is incredibly hard to duplicate when you look at his size, strength, explosiveness, his passing, his rebounding, his defense, and most importantly for a player like him and why you can't just point to a physical prototype and say there'll be other people built like LeBron is his IQ. The man's basketball intelligence is above anyone else in the game today.
1: Well, that's because no one has any fundamentals in the game today. Ugh. I it just the fact that you could even put Magic Johnson below LeBron James it it's just unbelievable and and I might sit there and say as an all-around basketball player he's better than Larry Bird and Larry Legend is is absolutely unbelievable he he brought basketball back in Boston and if it weren't for uh you know Lenny Bias unfortunately uh, taking a snort of cocaine and dying you know his first ever I'm sure uh we'd be talking about many more titles for Larry Legend um, Larry was unbelievable. I will give him a tie, maybe a little bit below LeBron James, but Magic, Magic was just Magic was Magic. That that's that's what I gotta say. And you know, anyone I go out, I just go out and watch the the documentary Magic versus Bird. I mean, just you could just it was amazing. And that's all I gotta say. I will never put. Uh, LeBron James above MJ. I'll never put him above Magic Johnson. I'll give him a virtual tie right now with Larry Bird because they both have as many titles as they did. But still, needing to make one shot to win a game, I'll take Bird Bird over uh, anyone.
0: Jeff, those are your rankings, and you're certainly entitled to your opinion. Now, you also raised another intriguing
1: point about... That's amazing. and We're talking basketball, and I have intriguing points.
0: <laughs> You're on fire, big fella. Listen, before LeBron could even hoist the Larry O'Brien trophy, people began speculating about the possibility of him leaving Cleveland. Hey, and sure. this certainly opens the door for that exit, but I'm with you. I think he waits a season before jettisoning for L.A., where he can continue to grow his brand and become more involved in Hollywood which is a desire that he's openly discussed. While I have a hard time believing that he leaves Cleveland this offseason, as we turn our attention to the next big-ticket item in free agency, Kevin Durant, he's also likely to stay in Oklahoma City on a one-year deal with a player option. But, but, but according to RealGM.com, among other sources, Jeff, there's reports from his camp that he may not want to go through free agency circus again next year, that he values stability. And as soon as Golden State lost, every basketball outlet began talking about the fact that there's mutual interest between Durant and the Warriors. So my question to you now becomes, as we bring this to a local perspective and look at what this means for the Celtics, even if they can do what right now seems like a, nearly impossible task of acquiring players the caliber of jimmy butler and al horford is that even going to be enough for them to get
1: durant to sign in boston the only way that if i'm kevin durant that i sign in boston over signing for golden state is the fact that it's in the east and you may have an easier time getting to the nba finals uh, in the East, where anything can happen. We just watched a 73-win team, up three games to one, lose to the, the Cleveland Cavaliers. So anything could really happen. And I wonder, yes, there's mutual interest between uh, Golden State and Kevin Durant, but if you're Golden State, why would you want to you know, go away from that strength in numbers thing that they have? You know, and bring in an all-star caliber like Kevin Durant. Granted, he is an unbelievable player, but he's going to take minutes away. The, the reason that Golden State was so good, and, and you saw it throughout the playoffs, and you even saw it in the, in the finals until Cleveland's defense really took over that, uh, that, that series, is the fact that there were just waves upon waves of guys that just could come in and continue to play well. So, uh, well, at, at one point it, it basically, if you brought Kevin Durant in, you know, maybe they're a 74-win team and, and, and win it all. But at the same point, you're going through back-to-back uh, finals appearances. You won one. You just set the record for uh, champion uh, wins in a season. Why, why do you need more? Why not continue to, uh, to develop from within and, and go from there? But you know what? Why turn down a, uh, an NBA all-star talent like that, too?
0: Jeff, you're first and foremost an NFL guy. I know I am. So it's easy for you to understand the concept of what have you done for me lately versus what will you do for me going forward? And the Warriors need to take serious consideration into what the outlook is for this team if they bring everyone back. And still a championship contender in the short term? Absolutely. But – You've got an aging Andre Iguodala. Harrison Barnes puked all over himself in (laughs) the finals and reminded everyone why he's more Jeff Green than he is alpha male option number one on a contending team. You've got Andrew Bogut, who the injury was unfortunate, but he's had a few significant injuries in recent seasons now. So when you look at this team... Sean Livingston getting up there in age, I think this is an opportunity that it would be wise to take advantage of, and I can understand the hesitancy to go out and make such a drastic change to the roster, but when you really examine the pieces that they'd be getting rid of in order to make this possible, I think it's absolutely worth it that Golden State would significantly benefit from having Kevin Durant, who everyone looks at the offense. Slim is an excellent defender, too. He is a great two-way player, not just a scorer. The one thing you really have to make sure of is you don't want to disrupt that chemistry. It's so fragile and so important on a championship team. So that starts with talking to Klay Thompson and having him be on board with We're still going to need you to play elite defense, but you're not going to get as many shots, and we'll get you more involved with the second unit so that you can still get some of those shots, but you are going to have to cut back. Can you commit to playing like that, especially in the postseason? And you know what? Looking at him and Steph, especially with the bitter taste they have in their mouths, from blowing the three-to-one lead in the finals, I think they'd be on board with it. So, to me, it makes a lot of sense from both sides, Durant and the Warriors. I think it's a good move for the future of Golden State.
1: Yeah, but the question I got to ask you is, you know what? There's no way that Durant's ending up in Boston, is there? It's just not going to happen.
0: Jeff, that's... Come on, man. That was my question to you to start this whole topic <laughs> off. Is, and listen, so I think right now, Jeff, I'm just going to just gonna skip ahead for a second because the Celtics got a little sliver of hope today with the reports that Gordon Hayward yeah. is forcing himself
1: Utah's out own. of
0: Utah. He's told them he's not going to resign there as a free agent and that, Utah is working with him to find a trade partner and find a new home for the Butler product, also the Brad Stevens product. Oh, yeah. This is the player who is a borderline all star. And I get that people may know him more from playing in two national championship games at Butler than the NBA, but this is a very good two way player, defender, scorer, three point shooter. He's gotten to be the guy on offense at Utah, so he's been able to have the ball in his hands at the end of games and made plenty of plays in those situations. This is a player that I really like, and when you look at the realistic value of what the Celtics have to offer, this is a really intriguing opportunity that's opened up here for Danny Ainge.
1: I love the idea of Gordon Hayward coming here. I mean, and you just said it right out. Played at Butler, was in back-to-back, you know, championship games. Played for Brad Stevens, loves Brad Stevens. We know how much of a player's coach Brad Stevens can be. Um, you're not going to have to offer him at, offer Utah as much because he is in basically the final year of his deal. He can opt out at any, any particular moment. But maybe you make that trade, and because of his relationships with Stevens, he decides he's not going to opt out and they can turn around and build around this guy. This guy, an IT4, uh, to go along with Jay Crowder, I, I-, I love it. I mean, obviously it's going to cost that number three overall pick, and, I- and I'm okay with that. But that's a, a-, a building block that you can-, you can build. They need to go out. Celtics need to go out right now, Bobby, get some kind of splash player. I don't believe that the guy that they can draft at number three that could be a splash player. So they need to go out and, and-, and get a veteran. Because otherwise, they're kind of in NBA pur- purgatory right now. They have a good team that won forty-eight games last year, but they're in that spot right now. They're going to be a forty to fifty-win team, you know, a, a three to seven seed, depending on where they fall out, until they get people that they can build around. And and, and Gordon Hayward is, is a guy that they can definitely build around. I'm not saying he is, you know, a number one. But he's definitely, you know, a 1B, a 2 that you can build around. And then, you know, in free agency, who else can you go out there and get? Next year, who else can you go out there and get? When you have that other, uh, you know, the the Brooklyn Nets pick next year that you can swap picks with. Or in 2018, you have another Nets pick. The Nets aren't getting good anytime soon. You get Hayward, who I believe is only 26 years old, and you have the building blocks for the future. And that's the only thing that's going to happen because – they're right now in that purgatory of 40 to 50 wins and, and not being good enough to win it all. Are they good enough to make it to the second uh, round of the playoffs right now? Are they good enough to make it to the Eastern Conference Finals? Yes. But right now they need more players. They need that, that, that NBA superstar, not really superstar, but NBA star that can continue to push them up. And I'm all on board with Haywood.
0: Yeah. It makes a lot of sense to me. Now, like I said before, He's a borderline all-star. So he's going to come here and the hype machine is going to start spinning and people are going to get very excited as they should, but at the same time may have to reel in expectations upon first acquiring him if Danny Ainge can find a way to get it done. And what's interesting is the value for Utah in a deal for Hayward would be in the draft picks. So exactly. we're talking – Something along the lines of the third pick and the 16th pick. But Hayward right now is set to make $16 this season. So the Celtics would have to find a way to make those contracts work. It'd be interesting to see what they come up with in that scenario to give up. Jeff, also, as we talk about the Celtics' assets here, just to point this out, Brooklyn... It now rolls over, whereas not too long ago, this pick was the most valuable asset the Celtics had. Now it becomes next year's Brooklyn pick in an even better draft becomes the most valuable asset. But the clock is ticking on those picks. Kenny Atkinson, the new Nets head coach, was a very good hire who's great with player development. The clock is ticking. Brooklyn, it's yet to be proven because – It has only been there for so long, but that's a spot that can certainly attract free agents. And they have Mikhail Prokhorov's endless money. So the clock is ticking to really convert these picks and these golden tickets that have been talked about for so long as the key to the Celtics once again ascending to the top of the mountain. The clock is ticking on being able to convert these into players and it'll be really interesting to see what the Celtics do. Jeff, it's all the more reason that I'm willing to include next year's Brooklyn pick if the return is significant enough, which combined with these rumors about Gordon Hayward has me thinking they would be here on a potential three-team
1: trade. Ooh, the three-team trade machine, baby.
0: That's right, where you involve the Chicago Bulls and send Gordon Hayward that way bring along back Jimmy with Butler? So, al- absolutely so let me break this down for you. The Celtics would get Jimmy Butler. The Bulls would get Gordon Hayward and Avery Bradley and Terry Rozier to be their future starting point guard. This is someone who, according to reports, including from CSN.com, the Bulls are very high on, believe he can be a starting point guard and be more than just serviceable. So that's why I include Rozier in that trade and in this discussion. And then as far as what Utah gets, well, we just touched on it. They get the third pick and they get the 16th pick. Presumably, they're now looking for Hayward's replacement or at least another good wing player. So you've got Jamal Murray, Jalen Brown, Buddy Field, even to bring a team that desperately needs shooting, some help from the outside. So to me, that is a trade
1: that, is fair to all three parties. Yeah, The one thing I do wonder about, and I've been wondering this since the draft lottery. If you wanted to trade Jimmy Butler, why would you have him representing you at the draft lottery? Yeah, Jeff, you know what? That's a great question. It's something
0: that I was also pondering the night of the lottery, but there were some rumors today that... Toronto, Miami, and Chicago were involved in discussions surrounding Jimmy Butler. So to me, it's just that, you know, I don't know why they sent him, but I also don't look at it as a signal that he is untouchable. Furthermore, when you look at the dynamic of a team that's rebuilding and a player that has a a lot of tension with his head coach, I'm not sure that's the best environment to rebuild around. So if you're Chicago and Butler ultimately forces your hand with a trade that comes across your desk, I can understand the bulls pulling the trigger.
1: Uh, It's just one of those things that I I, I wonder, he's such a great talent and and you can build around him and and why not do it? I I just, I, I I don't get it, but you know what? You're the NBA guy. Well, it's, similar to
0: Utah doesn't want to give up Gordon Hayward, but the players have so much power in this league, even with the CBA working to reduce the amount of control they have. You still see these situations, even though they're not as common of a player telling his team, I know I'm under contract, but your time is up. I I want out. It's, It's time for time for me to go elsewhere for one reason or another Usually it's to play in a bigger market, but there are examples of a player like Jimmy Butler, of that caliber at least, saying, I don't like this coach. You guys are rebuilding, and I'm not about that, so send me elsewhere. And if you're Chicago and you can get a player who is not too far less in value and ability like a Gordon Hayward, then you really have to think long and hard about making that move and what it means to keep Butler and have him there around the young players you're looking to move forward with setting the example of clashing with the head coach and what that does for the locker room.
1: Well, as I said, you're the NBA guy. I just asked the questions. I look at it and I go, why the hell would they do it?
0: The The value has got to be significant enough, just like with, if the Celtics were ever to move next year's Brooklyn pick, it's gotta be because the juice was worth the squeeze. Oh, the juice
1: is worth the squeeze. Speaking of juice, have you uh have you watched any of that O J made in America's pretty good? The thirty for thirty? Oh it's awesome. The thirty for thirties oh, are awesome.
0: Spectacular. I'm loving it. And you know, I'm one of the only people who never got around to watching the the FX series. I haven't and seen it either. I heard it was excellent, so the two of us need to get on that, but I am loving this 30 for 30. Jeff, a more realistic scenario seems to be that the Celtics trade partner ultimately ends up being Philadelphia. So I ask you, would you rather Nerlens Noel or Jaleel Okafor if
1: that's what ultimately ends up happening? Uh, he, <laughs> It got me biting my tongue here because Noel obviously was injured last year. He, you really haven't seen him play in the NBA yet. He was,
0: he was healthy last year. I know this is uh, yeah, fanatics. Uh, exactly.
1: But, he, but, yeah, he was hurt a couple of years ago. Uh, yeah, exactly. He hurt a couple of years ago. I like what Okafor can bring. I mean, 20 points a game, Uh, you know, at the five. You know, play the four of the five for them. I, I like what he can bring. I I think I'd rather trade for that guy. I know there's some people out there who wonder about his commitment, who wonder about you know, would he fit in in uh, Brad Stevens' system. I just I like him. I I, I like him coming out of college and I like him now. Yeah, to me it's
0: Noel over Okafor. I think there's I a lot of questions about how much value a back-to-the-basket center has in today's game. Furthermore, he's a defensive liability and a lazy rebounder. So I understand that the Celtics could certainly stand to benefit from adding a low post presence, but give me the guy who is more athletic, who makes an impact on the defensive end, who can get out in the fast break on a team that loves to run the floor. And I think there's some untapped potential offensively with Noel. Well. I trust him to develop on the side of the floor that he's weakest on more than I do Okafor to develop defensively.
1: Now, as we look at this and we look at the Sixers, I mean, if they're obviously, you know, going to take Simmons. I mean, you're going to say that. Would you agree with me? They're going to probably take Yeah, they've already announced it. Exactly. So, I mean, Simmons, what, he he, basically is going to project to a small forward. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they still need guards. They have so many big men. It's kind of like the Celtics. They have no big men and 300 guards. So, I mean, they can entertain some kind of swap. You know, maybe, uh, obviously the third pick's going to come up, whether it's it's Noel or Oakford. But, you know, could there be some other kind of swap where you get back, you know, a, a Sixers future first-round draft pick and you throw them Marcus Smart or something like that to help them as well? I mean, I know they could probably uh, go out and get one of the guards coming out this year, but uh, I don't know. I, my competitive juices are flowing. My, my mind is going, I want to get on the NBA trade machine and just screw around, but I... I I, I, I like this. I think it's it makes too much sense. So it's probably not going to happen. Where you need the Sixers need you know guards and the Celtics need big men. It makes way too much sense. You know it's not going to happen.
0: Jeff, I love where your head's at. And at the franchise is going to be tweeting out whatever you ultimately come up with here as <laughs> as a better scenario for the Celtics and Sixers deal. But really, this is kind of a, a basic trade where Philadelphia is one of these handful of teams that loves Chris Dunn and they seem to have more of an obsession with the Providence point guard than any other team in the league so that would settle the dearth that they have at the point guard position where they take Simmons who's going to have the ball in his hands a lot looking to distribute and facilitate the offense as well as Chris Dunn at the one position, so they, they'd be good there, and that would be the trade. And the Celtics get a big man back, who we both are in agreement. Nerlens Noel would be the guy over Jahlil Okafor in that scenario. Interesting note that I'm not sure everyone's aware of is that just like if the Celtics were ever to acquire Gordon Hayward, Nerlens Noel is a player that a year from now Boston would have to turn around and pay and. He may not demand a max contract, but he's going to get a big contract, especially if he's on a team like the Celtics who just paid a premium to get him and, on top of that, has a roster not positioned to lose him for nothing. So it's an interesting caveat to a deal if it were to involve Nerland's Noel. Jeff, as we look at the last scenario, worst-case possible the Celtics end up keeping the pick is there a name that you have circled
1: you know originally it was bender because i'm looking and i'm saying all right they need uh you know they need a big guy and i i thought for a while that that was the guy to go for and then the more you know i kind of looked at it and said well you know this is what they're going to do they'll go out and get dragon bender uh because it makes sense and then i realized how young he is and he you know, may not even help out next year. So, really, I think I think Danny goes out and takes the best player available, uh, uh, and then whether he keeps him and, and moves one of his other guys or drafts him, you know, that's what he's going to do. So, to me, you know, it's either Buddy Healed from Oklahoma, who I believe I saw a report made eighty-five of a hundred three-point shots uh, coming out there uh, when they had him in for a, a you know. A tryout. The one drawback with him is, I mean, how many guys get to be in their senior year in college? That's that's the one thing that I you know look at. You already touched on Chris Dunn, um, you know, a, a Providence guy. Also, this guy's a junior, so I mean, how many guys get to the junior year? So, but I could see them taking either one of those guys, and then maybe they peddle Marcus Smart and move him out of here. Maybe they turn around, you know and they trade uh, Avery Bradley and his, I mean, $8 million a year for a- Avery Bradley. That's a, that's a steal. So maybe they make one of those trades, and that's where they get the veteran big man. Um, you know, we'll all be watching with open eyes tomorrow night, uh, or, yeah, tomorrow night when the draft is on. Um, we'll see from there. I- I- I'm looking forward to it. Jeff, it's going to be
0: very interesting to see what happens. Reports from Jeff Goodman, among other sources, Say that the Celtics have narrowed it down to to Jalen Brown of Cal and to Chris Dunn, and I think taking Chris Dunn makes a lot of sense from the standpoint of you no longer have to try and get a deal done leading up to or at the draft. You can reapproach this throughout the summer trying to find the right deal, especially with how many teams value Dunn and given the fact that Philadelphia is seemingly a safe option to fall back to. If you don't want to keep done and you're not able to make anything more significant happen, then you go out and you trade him to Philly for either Okafor or Noel. Jeff, we're running out of time here, but we like to end the show with our final thoughts. So usually I defer to you, but I'm going to take it first and switch over to hockey talk right now. Ooh, and give a little tongue I know. lashing <laughs> to, to my boy Don Sweeney, who, as far as I can tell, is setting the Bruins up for another season where they miss out on the playoffs and ultimately ends up costing him, Cam Neely, and Claude Julien their jobs. Why do I say that? Because one of the worst defensive teams in the league enters a pivotal offseason where, like I said just now, pl- people's jobs are on the line. And you see some of the best defensemen available go for peanuts, and he doesn't get any of them. Furthermore, the reason he can't get some of these players is because he made foolish trades at the deadline, giving up valuable assets that other teams are now using equal value to obtain these players. Just is really a bad look for Don Sweeney, and it's another reason why I, like so many Bruins fans, have zero confidence in this front office.
1: I can understand you there. They need to make some moves. They haven't made any moves yet. I hate it. My final part in the shot is the Boston Red Sox. Uh, it, it's become very, very clear um, that the offense has slowed down a little bit now. Um, they need a pitching prospect. you got to turn around and get that pitching prospect. And I'm going to sit there and – Trade whatever I got to trade and go out and get it. I've heard that Chris Sale might be available. I'll trade anyone on the team.
0: That's a good topic. We're going to examine it next week here on the show. Thank you for listening. I'm Bobby Grovinsky. He's Jeff Kane. Have a great night.
1: All I do is win, 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 no matter what.